Elementary music teacher friend, you love what you do, but you might feel unappreciated and, in fact, unseen some days. You may even feel like you're on a music teacher island and just want to connect with other music teachers who can relate to both your struggles and wins when it comes to teaching elementary music. I get you and understand completely the feelings you're having. That's why each and every week, the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast will provide you with solo and guest episodes that will help you realize you're not alone in your music teaching journey. Throughout each episode, my goal is for you to be able to walk away with actionable steps and ideas to help you feel like you're ready to take on the new week with whatever challenges may be thrown your way. Hi, I'm your host, Jessica Peresta, and I'm so glad you're here. Whether you're at home, in your car, in the shower, or wherever else you're listening, grab your cup of coffee or whatever other beverage is nearby and listen in to the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. Hi, I'm Adam Guys. I'm David Lurch. We're hosts of the EdTech Distilled Podcast, which is a part of the Education Podcast Network. Shows on the network are individually owned. Opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Teaching elementary music to kids all day can make you feel a little cuckoo. In fact, you're probably feeling worn out from finishing out the school year as we speak. If so, you're needing support now more than ever before even thinking about heading into the next school year is probably causing you a little bit of stress. First of all, enjoy your summer to the fullest. Take the break you so desperately deserve. You need it, you deserve it, go and have a break. Then come to the free coaching week that was created just for you, elementary music teacher friend. In eight days, you're going to get lesson planning training, accountability calls, mentorship and support, mindset work, community of other music teachers, all inside of a pop-up Facebook group that was created just for this week. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to help you go from overwhelmed to confident, from stressed out and unappreciated to confident in the classroom, fulfilled at work and home, and joyful teaching music day in and day out. This isn't your typical PD, friend. It's much more than just another workshop or webinar or challenge, which I've hosted in the past. This is created to be an experience of growing together with other music educators just like you who are there to challenge you, support you, and cheer you on through an entire week devoted and set aside for you. Trust me, you don't want to miss this week. It's going to be epic and I'm going all in on supporting you in every way possible. Grab your spot and see the schedule at subscribepage.com forward slash elementary music coaching week 2022 or click on the link in the show notes. It's all going down June 26th through July 3rd and I cannot wait to see you soon. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to be joined today by Katie Wardrobe. If you are not familiar with her, you will be after this episode. I was telling her before we started recording that she is the music tech lady. She'll talk all about that. And she started her business long before everybody was teaching virtually and before COVID happened. And so she is such an expert at all things technology. And I'm so excited to dive into that. We're going to talk about technology tips and tricks for music teachers. And I'm going to pick 
her brain about a lot of different things. But before we do, Katie, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the audience. Thank you. And thank you for having me. It's great to be here. And yes, it's been a long time of running the business. So uh, my business is Midnight Music. And uh, I often get asked, how did I end up with that name? And it's because when I started out, I was doing a lot of different things. And I was actually working a full-time job as well at, at the same time. And the business was like on the side. And so I found myself working late into the night. And I really wanted a generic business name, which didn't sort of you know, pigeonhole me into one specific thing. So that's how it ended up being that. I just liked the two words together and it's kind of stuck. So even though I've thought about changing it over the years, people know that now. So, so mm -hmm. it's a good thing. But yeah, it started about, uh, I think we were talking before, about 13 years ago or so. So late 2008, 2009 time. And it was a time where I feel like a lot of people joined Twitter and that really led me down a lot of rabbit holes in technology and that sort of thing and I had been uh, doing a variety of jobs but ended up working at Sibelius uh, doing you know music notation stuff and uh, that was a great job it was part-time for me and then that finished and the part of the job that I really liked uh, was training teachers how to use the technology and how to get started in the software and, and that sort of thing so I thought well maybe I can just kind of continue that running workshops live workshops at the time and I did, I continued doing that, added a lot of other things into my repertoire over time, started down the ed tech kind of path, like following a lot of people who were just uh, not music specific technology people and, and it ended up adding a lot of stuff into my tech repertoire and yeah, it kind of just grew from there. So workshops became eventually some webinars, which was in the wild west time of tech wasn't great for, for webinars <laughs> way back when it was like I know a lot of people thought that the COVID and the pandemic time was really yeah. hard but oh uh, no that was nothing compared to what it was a few years ago and man that was that was a difficult time especially when you're trying to share audio on online so um, things really did grow from there but now I have a, a an online community which is like a paid PD community and you can access courses and so on but it's just been fantastic and I was very well placed when the pandemic came along uh, because everything I was doing was online so I was one of the very lucky ones and I am very grateful for that all the time mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. it was such a difficult time for so many people mm -hmm. but yeah that was that was me getting into technology I, I did not grow up with technology much at all my dad brought home a Commodore 64 at one point oh. in the 80s um, you know showing my age here but uh, we had that and we played games on it and it had one of those cassette disc drives yes <laughs> yeah. Those? oh yeah <laughs> yeah and that and then we and then we had actually floppy discs like mm -hmm. actual discs yep. that were floppy <laughs> so yes the time yes <laughs> and it was just such a different time back then but uh, I did not grow up with it all through university I didn't do anything tech at all nothing mm -hmm. my notation was handwritten everything was and typewriter was the the high level technology that I had access to so I really got thrust into it after that and mm -hmm. yeah it was just thrust into the deep end and had to learn on the job kind of thing mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah well I a lot of teachers probably listening can relate to that having to learn on the fly because you're just thrown in and told use this technology platform and you've never done it before and they're like wait what but yeah. that's it's the truth I'm I'll, I'll be finishing my master's in educational technology this year and same there's a lot that I'm like 
there's a lot I didn't know, you know, and you're like, so much. and it's I okay. Know. You're always okay. learning and growing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You don't need to know everything. I often tell people that like, you just don't, don't mm-hmm. feel you have to learn all the things at once. Just pick one thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's always mm-hmm. often a piece of advice that I give. Just I one it. thing, test it, get it going. When you're comfortable, maybe add a new thing in, you know? Yeah. 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 And um, I love that your business name came to just be because of something you connected two words together i get asked yes. all the time too my website's the domestic musician people are like yes. what what the heck is that what's a domestic musician and i but there's a story behind it too i was i literally had everything you could ever imagine about elementary music this and ironically my podcast is called the elementary music podcast but for my website it was seriously at first i started with serving parents with piano but also music teachers and i also am a mom and so and a musician so it just kind of my husband always says I like to keep things organized and I like to clean. So same domestic musician yeah. came up from just like random wordplay when it could have been more generic, like the elementary music website or something. Yeah. But I wanted, I don't know. I just didn't feel like, like you said, pigeonholing myself and making yeah. it kind of yeah. unique. But anyways, it's, well, it's been quite good actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause you're known yeah. as midnight musician. Yeah. yeah I love yeah. it. Midnight music. So let's talk first of all, when it comes to technology, helping teachers with planning and teaching. Well, I love, first of all, you already said, it's okay to not know everything. And it's okay to start with one thing. And I think that's where a lot of the confusion comes is when I'm working with music teachers, and I get asked this a lot too, is which one, which platform should I use? How should I, which website should I use? How should, and I'm like, yes, because yeah, you know, there's okay. It's okay. If it's not the choice someone else makes, but just choosing something. So let's talk about productivity, tech tools and tips. What are some of your favorites? Yeah, and this is such a great subject. I, a few years ago, I was uh, proposing workshop ideas or conference presentation ideas. And I, I just kind of threw it out to a group of teachers, like is, that, is productivity something you guys would like to know more about? And there was this overwhelming, oh my gosh, yes, please, you know. And like, oh gosh, I'm not perfect by any means. Mm-hmm. But then I describe some of the things that I do in my everyday life, like at home, but also for work stuff. And people are like, okay, you're freaky organized. <laughs> but I do not feel that way all the time. Mm-hmm. I just like to try stuff and I do... I have worked out things that work for me. And I think for me, that's the key. You've got to, whatever you adopt, whether it's a, an app or a tool or just a system, and I actually think the system is more important than the actual tool, uh, you just have to make, make it something that's going to work for you that you can remember or that it's easy for you to access or, or whatever it is. So, so it's really hard to say, like, this is the most amazing. I think people want this amazing app that's going to change Mm. their life and in fact you download an app and then you realize you've got to learn how to use it in an in-depth way you need to adopt sort of systems that are going to make you use it regularly and make it accessible so it's on all of your devices or whatever it is and then remember to actually do it you know like Mm -hmm. it's not really about the app in the end it's it's about your systems and what's going to be easy for you and and what works with your brain I think as well so having said all that I do have a few favorites (laughs) and (laughs) and often I start with something which people are surprised by which is not like a to-do app or anything like that it's actually how to manage your passwords because Mm -hmm. this is something that we all do all day every day and 
people lose track of passwords or they use the same password everywhere and put up your hand if you're listening right now and you do this and it's really it's actually the worst idea possible because that is how you get hacked so the the hackers will run software on one of the websites that you use i.e let's say it's g your google account Mm -hmm. and they'll find out what your Google password is. And then if you've used it also on Facebook and LinkedIn and I don't know, name seven other websites. Right, right, right. All the places. Suddenly they have access to all your accounts. But the first you see is your Facebook account's been hacked and you're like, well, Facebook, you know, terrible. Uh, Actually, Mm -hmm. no, it was probably because you used the same password in all the places. So anyway, long story short, a password manager, like software to help you keep track of your passwords is such a great thing. So this is often the first thing I recommend. And they're like, we're music teachers. though. we wanted this cool music tool, you know, well, do the password manager. So I use LastPass. It doesn't have to be that one. Uh, it can be that one. There's many others. There's one called One Password. And what this will do is uh, it's a place to store all of your passwords, but it will also generate random secure passwords that have crazy characters and numbers and however long or short you need that to be Mm. and it will save all the information for you and so whether you're on your laptop or your phone or your ipad or some other device you can use lastpass to log in for you in all Mm. of these places so when someone says you know what's your password for x website i don't know it's in LastPass and it's probably yeah. about 13 characters long. Right. <laughs> I don't have a clue what it is. I don't need to know though because LastPass will remember it for me. So it's a much more secure way. And so then you think, well, how, how do you get into one to LastPass or one password? You actually have one master password and that is the one you have to remember. And mm-hmm. you don't write that down anywhere. You don't record it. So that unlocks your vault of all of your passwords. So that's the place I recommend starting for productivity, which is kind of left field, but no, I think that's genius. (laughs) It's like, yeah, you have to remember passwords for everything. And I know I struggle with that. Oh my gosh. And then if you forget it and you try it three different times, you get locked out, which never happens, but yes, it does. (laughs) (laughs) And then most people, I say, all right, this is is a live workshop. I'll be like, okay, so hands up if you use the same password everywhere and I'm like come on and then Mm. reluctantly lots of the room and then I'm like okay hands up if maybe you don't do that hands up if you have a post-it note attached to your monitor Mm. and then there's the other reluctant hands go up or hands up if you have a spreadsheet stored on your desktop on your laptop computer and that's the rest of everyone (laughs) yes none of those are good none of those are good options so um and if you're worried like i you know won't talk about it all in great detail now but um do go and do some research if you're interested in that because all of the tech experts security experts they all recommend that you use a password manager no system is 100 percent perfect Mm. but everybody that is in that business recommends that you use a password manager of some sort Mm -hmm. so anyway but apart from that (laughs) other things that I think are useful um things like uh and this is maybe again maybe not something someone uh might expect but I'd say but screencasting for me is a great productivity tool so using a screencasting app like loom or screencastify where you can record your screen and talk at the same time or just even talk to the camera it's such a great time saver for me. So something I use every single day and it's the way that I will answer questions, people mm. who work with for me, like on my team or inside my community, when someone has a tech question, 
I just, I find it such hard work typing out an answer, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, okay, to do this and you've got to explain and then maybe you've got to put screenshots in there to show visually. No, I just hit record, show my screen. Here's Mm -hmm. how you do it. And it's done in two minutes and it's such a time saver. And for the person at the other end, they get the, you know, they get the instructions in a much clearer way too. So so that for me is also a great product. Yeah. My favorite music specific productivity thing. And again, I don't know that it would be classed as a productivity tool as such, but uh, AnyTune Pro, uh, which is a playback music tool, uh, is such a great productivity thing for me. So Mm -hmm. running a choir and needing to have a way to play back backing tracks and things in rehearsals and so on. And I use this so much when we were in lockdown last year and we had to do choir rehearsals via Zoom. Oh my gosh. Mm. Kill me now. It's just the worst experience ever uh, for the conductor and the yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, I feel everyone's pain here had to do that last mm-hmm, year. But mm-hmm. um, really using this app uh, was such a time saver in our rehearsals because in any tune pro, you can put a song in there, backing track, and then you can add like bookmarks throughout that piece of music. So I would go through ahead of rehearsal press play and then every time at the beginning of a section starts I would just press a button and it adds a little marker to that point in the audio track and that meant that I could jump back and forth really quickly back to the beginning of the verse Mm -hmm. back to the end of the chorus uh, forward to the bridge section okay we're going to do the bridge section and I'd press the button I'm straight there I don't have to like fast forward rewind through the playback you know the the audio waveform or anything just jump straight to that point and you can label all of them so I would label them with things that made sense to me like Mm -hmm. the lyrics at that point or or I'd put verse one or verse one with key change or you know there's something musical that that meant something to me and it was such a great way to make rehearsals much more efficient so Awesome. Great productivity tool. <laughs> I love the the variety you just gave. It just goes to show that, yeah, there's there's so many different tools out there. And so just hearing what works for you, I know is going to be so helpful to teachers listening. Uh, when yeah. it comes to, let's say, a teacher sitting down to plan their lessons, I know I get asked this a lot. Do you have any, because I don't have an answer for this, but do you have any favorite <laughs> ways that when you help the teachers you work with, online planners different you know there's all kinds of online plan books and things like that or how do you just even tell them to just use google sheets sometimes or what are some ways they can simplify planning yeah yeah and actually and there are lots of apps and um this is one that i don't use personally one of those planning apps i know a lot of teachers Mm -hmm. do Mm -hmm. i um Idocio, Idocio, however, it's, it's pronounced a variety of ways. Yeah. So some people use that one. Um, and I think there is one called Plan Book yes. as well. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't got a lot of experience with those, but I personally do use Google Sheets a lot um, coupled with Google Docs. Mm-hmm. And so the way, I, I think I might have actually done a whole podcast episode about this, just this topic alone. Uh, but basically, I store a lot of stuff in my Google Drive. So I've got things mm. like um, sheet music in there. So it's a PDF. I've saved it in my drive. Or I've got a Google Doc and the document, you know, li- outlies. Uh, for me, it's workshops that I'm running with teachers. So it might have mm. like the the whole running order that we're going to do for the, the workshop. And then there might be other resources that go along with that workshop, maybe images or audio files and so on. And then I use Google Sheets as the place to gather together all of those things so that I can really easily find it. 
So the sheet becomes like a directory of sorts. And the reason it works really well as a directory is because you can put links into that spreadsheet, which are, is a link to your Google Doc and to mm. the PDF file because all of those things have links because they're in your Google Drive. So oh. I put all of it in there. And so then I open up the spreadsheet and I can see it all laid out there in columns or rows, however you want to set up mm -hmm. your sheet. Mm -hmm and even use the search function in that. So if I'm like, okay, I know that I've got a piece of music, uh, you know, with this word in the title, I can just control F or command F and mm -hmm. type in a word and find it really easily in the sheet. So that works really well. I've got um, sort of specific things like a list of ukulele songs. So they'll be all in listed in a Google sheet. So the title of the song, and then in the next column is the link to the actual music that's in my Google Drive either a PDF, uh, which I've downloaded from somewhere, or it's a Google Doc that I've actually written out the lyrics and put the chords above the words and that sort of thing. So I, I have one for recipes also. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I have like most commonly cooked uh, main meals, like dinner, dinner meals, and then I'll have links to wherever the recipe lives, which might be in my Google Drive. Sometimes it might be on someone's website. So I'll, mm -hmm. I'll just pop the link in there. But that to me is such a great way to find and retrieve your own resources and information. So that, that's mm -hmm. the thing that I use the most. But yeah, but yeah, do explore those more specific planning apps, you know, if, if that's what you want. And you may even be able to use them all in combination together. I'm a big Google fan too. I love everything yeah. Google Drive, especially when you have a lot going on and I want to organize different you know, if I'm coaching a teacher individually, she has her own folder, her own yes. Google Drive folder and over here, like this different parts of my business have different parts, but I love that. I do the same thing. I have Google Docs with Google Sheets all in their own little folder in Google oh, Drive. Yeah. And, and I know some of the pushback is, but that takes a long time to set up and that's a lot of work to get it all organized that way. Yes, but when you put the work in up front to get it all organized and laid out, then it just, it simplifies the planning process once the hard part's so done. Yeah. And I really start small. Like I set up the Google sheet and it's got mm -hmm. maybe two columns and then you mm -hmm. just add to it over time. My recipes one is huge now because I've got <laughs> things that I do cook, things that I'd like to cook. <laughs> and then yeah. some things are divided up into like dinner party recipes, which are not everyday kind of recipes if it's something a bit right. more fancy. So it's like, yeah, this would be when you get asked to come to someone's place and bring a dish, you know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm go to my spreadsheet. Oh yeah. That thing worked really well last time. I'll, I'll use that again. But mm. yeah, so it just grows over time. That, mm -hmm. That's the thing I think. Um, the other thing is some people will say, I don't use Google products. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm Microsoft here in Australia. A lot of our government schools are Microsoft schools. That's just mm -hmm. the way it's happened. Um, but you could do the same sort of thing with the online versions of Word and right. Excel. I <laughs> just think what's the name? Yeah. yeah Excel if, you, if you've got access to those. Yeah. yeah, I mentioned um, I'm in grad school and it was a huge shift for me because they want me to use everything in OneDrive. I remember the first time they asked me to do that and I was like, what? <laughs> I just was like, what do you mean? So <laughs> yeah, because even just, I don't know if it's just an issue on my end, but this is totally off topic. But I, you know, you can hyperlink things easily in a Google Doc and over here on the Microsoft Word Doc. When I try to hyperlink something in there, it makes me type in the the website address. I can't copy paste and it's so irritating. Oh, so it might just be I'd... something 
not downloaded right. I don't know. <laughs> I'll ask my for you. We all <laughs> need a Katie wardrobe in our life. <laughs> I haven't experienced it because I, I don't use it either. My my boys, um, mm-hmm. they've got two teenage boys and they both mm-hmm. use it because the school, they have to at school. Yeah. So I often ask them, I'm like, okay, I do this in Google stuff. Like, can you, can you do something equivalent in the Microsoft world? So I ask them right. and they're like, oh. Yeah, kind of, or not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. So there's like subtle differences between the two mm. of them. Yeah. Okay, so speaking of planning, teachers are constantly planning resources for their students and materials for their students. So what are ways, I know I'm not very good at this. Like I am not good. I, I can use a Canva tem- template with the best of them, but my creative brain sometimes gets stuck on how to make these resources cute and fun for the students so what are your tips around that yeah and I I think I think people you can spend too long I think sometimes making things look so cute and beautiful and you know teachers pay teachers there's a lot of beautiful things on there that that other teachers have made which is great Um, and hey if if something that exists on teachers pay teachers solves your problem and you have a little bit of money if it's a, a paid thing just you know go buy that if you have the budget yes absolutely and especially if it's a template thing that you can then adjust that's even better but um, I do use Canva most of the time for these things and there's some there's some such great things about Canva but I suspect that people probably don't use it to its advantage and I think when you so if you you know if you've never used Canva before it's an online Mm -hmm. design tool and you can go in there and the best thing is there are templates and mm-hmm. the thing with the templates I think is to not mess with them too much <laughs> because then the the templates are all designed by real graphic designers and they look beautiful and then it's kind of when people have messed with them a bit too much that they start to not look so beautiful anymore and sometimes I see examples of teachers that have adjusted something from camera and I'm like wow that- <laughs> That did look good. Color <laughs> options, you know, this is in my head. I don't say yeah, this out loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> color thing, you know, the color changes you've made, maybe not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, I think also with Canva templates, um, there's such an incredible amount of template options in the library. And the thing to remember is that just because Canva calls it a template for a poster does not mean that you can't use it for a... Uh, what's another thing that you might use it for as a worksheet? Do you know what yeah, I mean? Right. Like mm-hmm. If the if the template layout uh, is is kind of what you need for a worksheet, then you just use it for a worksheet. It doesn't matter that it's called a poster template in Canva mm-hmm. or, or something else. So I think looking at the templates through eyes from a graphic design point of view, rather than from a what does Canva what category mm-hmm. is Canva put this in? So when I go looking for templates in there, I I do use their categories because you can search for mm-hmm. poster templates or whatever it is, but often I'm looking really at wh- what do I need to include in the thing I'm making? So it's like text and an image and, you know, I don't know, whatever else, maybe a little video because you can have video in there too. And I'm looking at really at the layout. Yes, I do want a big picture across the top. And yes, I do want a big title. And then I need a paragraph text somewhere there. And oh, okay, this template has all of those things, even though yeah. it's a, a something else template. And I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just grab that and adjust things that way. So yeah, so the, the great thing about Canva also, I mean, a lot of people use, you can use Google Slides or PowerPoint mm-hmm. for the same sort of purpose. And they all give you a canvas with which to work and you can, drag things around mm-hmm. and resize things and mm-hmm. move freely but 
Canva has that incredible um, library of elements that are there for you to use as well. So photos and clip art and shapes and frames and all of these amazing things. And I think it, it can be overwhelming when you get in there, you're like, okay, there's all these things, mm -hmm. but how on earth? And that's where starting with the template as a, at least a, a springboard point is a really good thing. But I do that. And I, I think also um, Canva has some great things, which I suspect some people don't realize are there. Like they have a thing called frames. And so a frame is a, it's either a shape or an existing, it's an existing object that you put mm -hmm. onto your slide. And then you can drag a photograph into it and it will automatically snap to that shape or fill in that shape. So one example is, you know, if you, if you have a picture of a laptop that you found in the Canva library and you put that onto your, your slide and then you want to fill the laptop screen with something, an image that you already mm -hmm. have. So it looks like the image is on the laptop. Rather than dragging it in and resizing it precisely to fit in that little space, you know, if you use one of the laptop images, which is known as a frame, mm -hmm. you can just drag that picture in and it Canva will automatically pop it into the frame and it looks perfect in yeah. two seconds flat. Yeah. <laughs> so I see a lot of teachers resizing. I'm like, no, no, no. You need to just drag it in, just hover over, bing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. So yeah, yeah. I, I like that. And once you've set up a couple of your own designs that you like, uh, things that make things look beautiful in Canva or in any other graphic design tool are using a defined color palette that is just one of the easiest ways to make something look really good you choose three three to five colors no more three preferably is, is really good three to five colors and then you use that throughout your entire powerpoint presentation or whatever it is you're making mm -hmm. or your poster or whatever it is and then a couple of fonts not 17 fonts, just two. Yeah. <laughs> just two is good. Yeah. And those are the things that make things look more streamlined and more together and more like a graphic designer's made it. So mm -hmm. they, those are my my tips. But, but starting with those templates, even if you're using um, slides or PowerPoint, go looking on those template websites like uh, Slides Mania is my favourite one. I don't mm. know if you've ever visited that. Mm. Slides Mania, fantastic place to get slides uh, templates for google slides or powerpoint and you can download them for free there's a the lady who runs that site her name's paula forget her surname uh, but she has she's an amazing designer and she does she loves making these templates for people so she makes a whole heap and there, there's a lot of education based ones and uh, she shares them for free and you can just, there's a, a link underneath the actual picture of the template and you can download the Google Slides version or the PowerPoint version mm -hmm. and then just use it. The other, the, the Slides one adds it to your Google Drive. Mm -hmm. Fantastic templates. Like she does an amazing job. She, she's so creative and such great designs. You could adapt them definitely for, for any subject. And mm -hmm. there's a couple of other Slides Go and Slides Carnival. They all have similar names. <laughs> Um, yeah. all of those are great just start with a template I think and then and then go from there yeah that was one of the questions I was going to ask you is what do you suggest for creating slide decks because I know a lot of teachers yeah. use google slides in their classrooms for you know on their smart
dartboards or whatever, or even for the students, Chromebooks. So you just gave some sites I've never even heard of. And I'm so yeah, excited to like, right. look at them myself. <laughs> oh my gosh. The slides, start with slides mania. Like you don't need to go mm -hmm. much further than her website. She's done one recently. <laughs> this latest design that she's done. And I, I haven't yet quite, I haven't thought about it long enough to go, oh yeah, I'm totally going to use that for this purpose in music. But she, she designed a slide. It's kind of like a game set up, but it's, um, you know, what's that machine where there's the, the claw that comes out and oh, you yeah. put money in and you've got to, yeah. like, with a joystick, direct the claw and then it, boy, and then it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, she's literally, <laughs> it's really hard to describe without seeing it. Just go to her website and have a look at her recent okay. ones. But it's like this claw machine. And so I'm like, how does she do that? Because there's on the screen, there's like the up and down and left and right arrows wow. and you click on them and then when you click on it the claw moves across on the slide and I'm like what get out of town that's cool like, so then I downloaded it so I could reverse engineer it and work out what she did so each yeah. time you click on a directional button basically the slide that you're seeing is changing but you don't realize it you, your slide changes to the one where the mm -hmm. claw's a bit further across and then a bit further across or up or down <laughs> like she's animated the actual I don't know it's kind of like mind-blowing yeah that's really cool anyway, yeah she has a passion for that she, oh she's just it's amazing like when you look at it you just go who who does this like who does yeah she has a lovely um for, for a music point of view, there's a couple of really useful music related ones she has. There's one which is about the Wizard of Oz and it's mm. a beautiful template and it's got the four characters and it's got the yellow brick road. So if anyone's ever doing Wizard of Oz stuff, <laughs> check that mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. um, and she's also got one which is like, uh, I've used it as an example for displaying listening uh, stuff, like uh, displaying student work that people are going to listen to. So it's got like a picture, it's sort of retro, a picture of an iPod with headphones. And you can then put, like I put a picture of a QR code inside the iPod so that people could scan it, hear student work. Anyway, it looks really yeah. good. <laughs> That's yeah. so cool. How creative. I love that. Yeah. yeah and I love your suggestions about Canva because there is really honestly so much you can do in there. And your tips about so picking a color scheme, sticking as close to it as you can. Um, yeah, don't use way too many fonts because, right. you know, and what I notice is their head, they do a heading, the subheading, and then whatever the one underneath that is. Yes. Subheading, heading, yeah. <laughs> but they're all three different fonts already. And I'm like, wait, no, hold on. Yeah. You know, so sometimes you have to change it, but try to make it look as cohesive as you can. And the other suggestion is you probably see this too. And I'm guilty of this is if you make your, your font, and your background color, you know, if it's too bright and you're putting white font yeah. on top of it, you can't read it. So yeah. you kind of got to be conscious of that kind of stuff too. And if, especially if you're creating it for kids and they can't read it, but yeah, that's something, yeah. Is a big thing. Those, um, I have a passionate dislike for those really bright colors. They're very uh, like nineties or early two thousands. Uh, and I kind of think Microsoft land you know yeah. the really bright blue and bright yellow and bright red that used to be just everywhere and they're really glary and they don't work well together mm -hmm. don't do that there's actually websites where you can like find beautiful color palettes so mm -hmm. I use those Canva has their own you can just explore color oh, palettes yeah. to say I want something with blues or blues and pinks or bright colors and you can just look and see the actual colors in there and you go I like that palette 
and then it gives you the hex codes, which are the special mm -hmm. color mm -hmm. numbers, you know, uh, for each one. And then you can save those into your Canva project and then they're just there for you to use. Great, great stuff. Really That's awesome. Yeah. Do you, I'm curious, I want to pick your brain about this real quick <laughs> before I ask you the next question, because this is what I do. So I always get curious. I'm like, do other people make it this easy? <laughs> Where if I have created, let's say, I don't know, a slide, a slide deck, sometimes I will copy the whole thing. <laughs> and make it look a little different, but I'll just change, you know, the words Absolutely. on the day. Because, you know, so you're not, you're saying you don't just go and create everything from scratch each time. No, you're sometimes copying do. your own work. And I copy my work it. every time. Yeah. <laughs> so if you come, I do a, a webinar uh, once, once a month-ish. I've sort of dialed back a little bit lately, but uh, every month my webinar slides are the same. They're just mm -hmm. changed. I've switched the text out. And then occasionally I'll, I will get bored of my own slides. And so then I'll yeah. upgrade or refresh or change slightly. Yeah. But I really don't change much at all. And I think people should take advantage of that much more often. And if you've set up a, if you set up a slide with um, like it's a notation reading exercise for your mm -hmm. students, you know, maybe there's some notation on the screen and they've got to drag the notes onto the stave or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. you know? set it up once and then adapt it for all of the different grade levels you know right. like you just switch out the notation elements or but the the basic structure of the slide with the stave or the chord symbols or whatever it is that you're showing like absolutely definitely mm -hmm. leave it the same mm -hmm. and then say, maybe save it as a document called template file i do that a lot do that a lot yeah yeah Okay. Awesome. Well, it I'm makes me feel better about myself. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's some comfort even with students. Like uh, there's probably some comfort in them seeing your usual structure of how you set up your slides for a lesson mm -hmm. or whatever it is. I think mm -hmm. there's some comfort in that. Or maybe they get bored. Maybe the teachers who come to my webinars are like, oh God, those slides again. <laughs> been there done that no i promise like they I'm don't sure know they don't care they don't care as much as we think they do no so what are we've been talking about teachers planning and creating resources for their students but also they are using technology of course with their students and apps and so i would love for you to talk about free sites and apps that they can use with their students and there's a lot of them uh and it's funny i, I was thinking the other day about a number of the ones that I show even now today, I showed when I started running workshops in 2009, like there are still websites from back from that time, which are still going strong. <laughs> They're still mm -hmm. here. So things like Incredibox, uh, that's a website that's been around, I think it started in 2009. And um, that's a fantastic one. Most people will probably know that if they're listening um, and they've been teaching for a length of time. But, you know, there's like these dudes on the screen. Mm. I have to say that they're dudes. They are. And then yeah, they are. They're just, they, a, they're hipster. They are. They're totally hipster dudes. <laughs> I've written a couple of blog posts and I, I say dudes in the blog post. I'm like, I can't say anything else. It's yeah, just they, they just are. They're just very and, chill uh, yeah. guys that just kind of bounce. Yeah. <laughs> They're on the screen and then underneath there's some symbols and you can drag a symbol onto a dude and the symbol, whatever symbol you drag on, uh, will make him start beatboxing or singing. And then another dude, you can drag a different symbol into him and he mm -hmm. will beatbox or sing something different. Um, and everything fits together and it's really cool, funky music, like really mm -hmm. cool, funky music. So a lot of people sort of look at that and go, oh, it's a little bit novelty though. Like someone might say to me, oh, Friday afternoon activity. And I'm like, really? I can think of so many uh, 
like helpful musical educational ways to use that website. So I ended up writing a couple of blog posts outlaying <laughs> lesson yeah. ideas. And there's so many ways that you can use them, even if it comes down to just listening. I, I thought oh, a simple game that you could play, particularly with young students, is some of the, the little symbols that you drag on cause them to beatbox a purely percussive thing. Mm -hmm. And some of them are melodic things. And I thought, well, at the very least with younger students or be, maybe as a very quick beginner activity with older students, you can just play a game. I called it the game of... Um, beatboxing beatboxer or singer are they singing or are they beatboxing is it percussive or is it melodic and so you can listen and make a decision is it one or the other I actually made a worksheet where students can yeah, tick it's singing or it's beatboxing mm -hmm. so that's a simple thing but you know there's lots of other thing, ways that you can use that website but they have a record button and that when they added that in that was the, the kicker for me that makes it much more worthwhile because then you can actually create like a performance of your dudes. You can press record, bring this one in first, bring this one in second, take that first one out, bring this third one in, build up to a climax, let them all drop silent, you know, and make a performance out of it like a DJ. And so that that can be another sort of lesson idea there. So yeah. Creativox, great, great website, still around. And uh, there's some free, when you go to the website, this is, people get a bit confused. There's an app version, which is paid, iPad only, iPhone, I think as well, iOS. And on the website, there are four versions or flavors of Incredibox that you can use for free. And they, because it's uh, it's not an English-based website, like it's translated, uh, they call it the demo version. I think that's how it's termed. So if you're looking for like the free web options look for the word mm. demo that's what you know yeah it just means you're using the free web page right but yeah great one really yeah. good one um other free ones that i love are groove pizza which is a rhythmic uh it's a place to generate uh, rhythmic patterns so uh it's basically in the shape of a circle you basically put sounds onto the shape of a circular um, pizza, pizza pie, <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, depending on where you click dots into the pizza pie, it will generate a rhythm uh, with three sounds. So there's like a bass drum, a, a snare drum, and a hi-hat sound. And you can build up just simple one bar, one measure of music uh, pattern. Fantastic. Um, lots of different ways, again, that you can use that one. And um, I, I think I've got another blog post about that one somewhere yeah. too. That one's a really great one. Great for building up quick drum patterns, uh, backing tracks. You could just create a pattern and then do something along with it, like your classroom ensemble piece or the recorder piece that you're currently doing with the kids or ukulele piece. Mm -hmm. uh, but lots of lots of different options there. I'm going to name, well, a couple more. Uh, Chrome Music Lab is a favourite uh, and there's lots of different things that you can do in Chrome Music Lab, but um, I might come back to that in a minute, but and more recent one that people might not know about is called Dr. Music. And it's yeah. music with a K at the end, not a C. So Dr. Music. Um, so there's this guy, uh, Thierry, who's made this website. And he's he just thought he'd give, give it a go at making music games and apps. And so he's built these, he's created games from scratch himself. And they're things that will uh, like help students learn the notes of the staff. So there's one based on the treble staff, for instance. And 
some people listening might have used Star Wars before where there's mm-hmm. like a spaceship and it's shooting a note that comes onto a stave. You've got to identify. If you identify correctly, the spaceship shoots it. He's got a game which is similar to that and it's robots. And if you get the note correct, you get a piece of a robot to build to assemble <laughs> and then That's if you cool. shoot the next yeah next night if you get that correct you'll get another piece of the robot so eventually you'll build an entire robot and then that gets added to your box and then if you keep going you'll build another robot and when you get to five robots you filled up your box and then you get up a next level or something like that I can't mm-hmm. remember offhand but that's really great. And he's got heaps of other games on his website, which are just individual topics like that, like note names or um, there's a couple of things which are ukulele based, which are really useful, like ukulele, uh-huh. ukulele chords, which will show the chord on the screen for the students. Um, what else? And he's got like listening exercises and, and so on too, but they're all brightly colored and um, attractive to look at. So yeah, and free, fantastic website. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't heard of that website. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. That's awesome. I mentioned it in a recent effort, uh, webinar and I think everyone went, oh my gosh, a new one. What? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's exciting. exciting. Yeah. 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 So you mentioned Chrome Music Lab and I know yeah. on there, gosh, we could be here all night just talking about that because oh. there's so much you can do. So oh. why don't you share with the audience one or two of your favorite ways to use Chrome Music Lab that you like yes. to suggest? And I might start with uh, not the one that everybody uses all the time which is song maker might mention that in a minute (laughs) everyone kind of goes they call chrome music lab that and think it's just the song maker Mm -hmm. which is one part of the chrome music lab so Mm -hmm. there's four i think it's 14 now 14 different they call them experiments that you can go and play with there and song maker is just one of 14 but it's the most popular one really Mm -hmm. um but other ones that i like i mean it's worth exploring all of them and all of them have varying levels of of usage I think in the classroom but um, one of my favorites is the Kandinsky one because uh, there's a lot of uh, cross-curricular activities that you can do with that one so Kandinsky you know as as a painter was uh, very much about color and shapes and music and the combination of all of those things and he had synesthesia so had that sort of thing where you're combining senses like the 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 look and the, the color uh, with the sounds uh, so music as well um, which is something I also have too didn't even know it was a thing until I was in my 40s had no idea mm-hmm. that I thought everybody did that associated <laughs> with colors and sounds and I turned out no that's not true <laughs> I was like what everyone <laughs> did that anyway so there's a thing <laughs> but you can look at synesthesia as a um, <laughs> some people call it a condition <laughs> yeah I think it sounds really serious but yeah uh, you can look at that but also um you know work with your art teacher and Mm -hmm. and do some some activities which combine music and art together and um, I know lots of schools where the 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 art teacher has had the students create Kandinsky like pictures with the Mm. he's got a very famous work which is um I think it's called concentric circles Mm -hmm. something about concentrics anyway it's like a study for an artwork that he did and it's it's circles inside circles and they're just really brightly colored easy for students to kind of replicate that um but they can you know do that and then go to the chrome music lab and actually explore making music by drawing a picture so there's an empty canvas in the chrome music lab you draw lines or dots or shapes like a square or a circle and then 
press play and you can hear your painting being played back and it's it's really lovely if you've never done it before draw a circle because when you draw a circle <laughs> I didn't know this until I saw someone else do it you draw a circle and it automatically for you puts a little face inside and you the playback sound becomes like a, a little person saying oh. or ah or something like that that's so that's nice cool. oh yeah. that's awesome and then there's also some extra materials in the Google Arts and Culture website, sister website. There's some fantastic Kandinsky resources in there. And so you can do there's enough for an entire unit of work if you just use all these free resources. Mm -hmm. um, and, and also one other thing I'll mention with this is uh, there's a book called The Noisy Paint Box, which is all about Kandinsky. It's a picture book. So um, my friend Amy Burns, who's an elementary mm -hmm. music teacher, mm -hmm. she's used that with her students. And they've done a whole unit of work on on sound and music and color and stuff. So yeah, so lots of things there. So that's yeah. one of my favorites. That's so fun. That's so yeah. fun. Oh, Chrome Music Lab yeah. is so great. And yeah, oh. would you just suggest teachers going in there and just playing around with it and just yeah, I if they're not so. familiar with it? I think yeah, and I think doing doing that with your students can be useful too. Like mm -hmm. maybe spend a little time, maybe ten minutes or something, just everybody picks something but get them to report back you know what's one thing you noticed about or one thing you could do with this or, or whatever it is but I think after that point of like playing around with it then you need something which is a bit more directive you know and mm -hmm. you give them give them some aims or something specific to do with any of those experiments um mm -hmm. but there's another there's another couple which are science yeah and sound yeah based and I think they're fantastic like there's one called spectrogram and another one called oscillators and there's mm -hmm. a, if you're ever going to do science of sound fantastic ways to introduce those topics and use the spectrogram to uh it there's some preset sounds you can press play and then you can see a visual representation of that sound on the screen so then you can talk to students about frequency mm. and and even um dynamics because the louder the sound the redder it becomes on the screen it's colored like the red red sounds are sort of louder and quieter sounds are blues and greens mm -hmm. and that sort of thing um, and there's one called oscillators which is kind of like mr man characters but they they um, play or sing a, mm -hmm. a sine wave or a square wave and you can talk about frequency and uh, frequency range and the relationship between frequency and pitch so there are other, other great things that you can explore so yeah another couple of my favorites yeah <laughs> yeah there, there's just so many ways i guess i never connected the dots between what you can do on chrome music lab and integrating it into other subject areas it's just yeah. such a great cross-curricular thing very, to work with other teachers as well oh yeah. yeah i think so too and songmaker of course there's so many things uh songmaker allows you to mm -hmm. build a song just by clicking into squares and I ended up doing an entire webinar on that. So um, there's a recording on my YouTube channel if anyone wants to catch up with that. But I think I ended yeah. up sharing, I, I called it 16 plus lesson ideas and that was just for Songmaker. So yeah, so if people want to follow that up, uh, yeah, lots of things. We, we talked about drawing a picture, which becomes a piece of music or decoding a favorite song. So listening to a song and then recreating it in Songmaker or creating mystery color songs <laughs> so mm. you can present students with a series of colored dots and then they have to work out what those sounds are and work out what the song is in the song maker so lots of yeah. again lots of different options here that's so cool oh I love that <laughs> 
So I know it's hard to leave everyone listening with one piece of advice because we've talked about so much, but a teacher may be listening who's overwhelmed you with the idea of using technology either for themselves or in their classroom. What advice would you have for that teacher? Yeah, I, I think it gets back to that. Just try one thing. I will say like on a, a more a granular level, start by getting comfortable with the things you have to use at school like whether that's google classroom or microsoft teams or maybe it's canvas the other you know Mm -hmm. one of the others or schoology whatever it is like just get comfortable with those day-to-day things first before you i don't know i feel like that's like a base level thing to to start with but then if you're going to try something new in the classroom with the actual students just i just think just choose one thing and see if you can use it so if you're an elementary teacher and you're working with let's say grade three, four, and five, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you try the one tech tool with all of those grade levels. And yes, you'll have to adapt a little bit for different age groups, but do the same tech tool, do different types of lessons or activities in there that suit each grade, but get really comfortable with Songmaker, for instance. Mm -hmm. And there's so many things you could do at all age levels with that one, but then you're really comfortable with it. The kids are really comfortable with it. And then you can move on to something else. But I like to say to people, if I'm trying something new, in front of a group, students or teachers, I say, look, we're going to try something new today and I'd love your help with it. And then as soon as you say that, they're like, oh, I can help. We're good at that. Mm. (laughs) Rather than you getting worried that you need to know everything about it before you use it with a group. Like Mm. kids, kids love to teach and help and, Mm. you know, so maybe they can help you with that sort of thing. Yeah. And where can everybody connect with you after this episode? Because you've already shared, you have a YouTube channel, you have your own podcast, <laughs> blog post, and oh my gosh, like you are a wealth of knowledge and a breath of fresh air. Oh, and so I you. know our listeners are going to want to follow you and connect with you and even learn more than they did today. The best place is just the website probably. So midnightmusic.com or you can go to midnightmusic.com.au. Either of those will get you to the same place. Uh, but the, you'll see a link to the podcast on there, which is called The Music Tech Teacher. I'm like you. I have a different name for my <laughs> podcast and my website. We're so fancy. But yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> <Friday>. <laughs> and the blogs there, of course. Uh, I have some people who guest write for the blog now. So it's great. There's some different ideas and different resources being shared and um, people's, mm. uh, you know, experiences and so on. And, uh, yeah, the YouTube channel. At the moment, it's mainly got the recordings of webinars I've done in the past, but I, I really want to have regular shorter videos on there too. The webinars are a bit epic, mm-hmm. <laughs> epic long, you know, <laughs> hour yeah. long plus. Yeah, but yes, that will happen at some point too. Yeah. But yeah, there's some stuff on there. So yeah, good place to go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been an thank awesome conversation. Yeah. Great fun. Well, hey there. Thank you so much for listening into the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. There is an exclusive Facebook group just for listeners of this podcast and any elementary music teacher called the Elementary Music Teacher Community Facebook Group. Come on over and join us there where we have conversations around the podcast episodes and encourage each other each and every week. And also head to my website, thedomesticmusician.com. I have some free resources there that you can download to help you gain traction in your classroom today. 
today, as well as the blog and the membership site and all kinds of other goodies to help you keep going in your music teaching journey. I cannot wait to keep connecting with you and encouraging you and spurring you on in your journey of teaching elementary music. Hang in there, have an amazing week, and I will see you soon.